0: If you have a Bible this morning, I want you to go with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 1 through 4 this morning. I almost always uh, am, am tempted to say the gospel of Isaiah. Isaiah is not a gospel, but some scholars have called it the fifth gospel because of the way that he represents and presents the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you look at the book of Isaiah this morning, you'll find some promises from God's Word that I believe the Lord wants you to think about and reflect upon this uh, this week. Uh, And uh, as you read these words, there are two parts to this text. First of all, there is a challenge in the text, and then there is a promise in the text. We all like the promises of God, don't we? But sometimes God challenges us with His Word as well. Is it all right for God to speak to you? Amen. That's good because when you give God the opportunity and the permission to speak to your heart and to challenge things in your life, you can grow and you can mature. Unless you give God the freedom to change things in your life, you can't grow. You can't mature. And God wants you to become all that he has designed you to be for his glory. Isaiah 46, verse 1. Bell has bowed down. Nabo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beast and to the cattle. Things which they carry are a burdensome thing, a load for the weary beast. They stooped over. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but they themselves have gone into captivity. Here's the message now. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your graying years, I will bear you up. I have done it, I will carry you, I will bear you, and I will deliver you. Can you say amen to that? Father, we thank you for your word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit For the assurance of our faith, it lets us know that you have heard our prayers. Now we ask once again that you would speak to our heart by your living word. Anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word of God with gladness in their hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. When I last shared with you, I shared with you about traveling light. And I want to continue along that vein this morning uh, to, to teach you and uh, uh, show you what God's Word says about traveling like, because life is a journey, and the journey of life can become extremely burdensome if you bring along things that God never intended for you to bear. And this morning, I want to talk about the God burden. I want you to see that. Uh, Up here because I want you to realize that this is a little g god that I'm talking about, the god burden. This morning, we are reading a text in which God challenges the nation of Israel against their other gods, their little g gods. And you realize that although thousands of years have passed, there are still gods today that claim our attention, our affection, and our obedience. And so, this morning. I believe the Lord wants to challenge us as we pursue this path and this journey with him. That there really is only one God who deserves our allegiance, our attention, our affection. And that he alone is God. And there are three areas of idolatry that I want to mention this morning before I get to the promises of God. And so if you'll just listen intently, there might be some things that I mentioned that really do relate to your life. and Maybe you didn't realize that you were giving them your time or your attention, but which God would like to address in your life. And maybe there are some of these things I'll mention that are not present in your life, but which are temptations for every human heart along the journey of our Christian walk with God, And these three things are all little g gods in our life. Now, I want to say from the outset that every little g god in your life will become a burden to you. Everything that demands your attention or your affection or your obedience is a little g god in your life. That will eventually become a burden to you and will suffocate and uh, eventually become something that you hate. Everything that you love about God, you will someday hate in your life. Because God will not allow anybody to get away with or to live in life with things that replace Him. God is jealous for the first place in your life. He is jealous for the priority place in your life. God does not want to be the last resource. He wants to be the first resource. God does not want to be the end. He wants to be the beginning. The Bible says, early will I seek thee. And that's not just talking about starting with prayer early in the morning. It's talking about meeting with God early in a situation, early in a crisis, early in a moment of need in your life. So let's talk about these three gods in our life, these three burdens that our heart is often tempted toward. The first God burden that I want to talk about is the burden of being God. Do you know that human beings sometimes feel like they have to be God. Like they have to be in control of everything. Like they have to be able to control the outcome of every situation in their life. I want to just let you know what you already know this morning, that nobody can control everything. And many of you this morning are worn out and tired in your spiritual life because you're trying to be God in situations and in ways that God never intended for you to be. So I want you to say this with me. There is a God, and I'm not Him. All right, say that again. There is a God, but I'm not Him. Now, isn't that liberating this morning? You realize that you don't have to wake up in the morning and make the sun rise. God's going to take care of that. Now, some of us in here, we have control issues, all right? Let's just be real honest this morning. We like to control the outcome of things. If there's anybody out there that knows what I'm talking about, just say a quiet little amen. All right? You know what I'm talking about. We like to control the outcome of our lives. But the tendency in that is to make ourselves God in the place of God. And, you know, this really isn't a new idea. The Mormons teach that if you're a good Mormon when you die, you will become a god. The New Agers, they teach that you are already a God in your nature. Our friends in the Word of Faith movement, they teach that we are a little God. But the reality is that this is all a deception that comes from the enemy to try to put man in the place of God. And you know, I've, I've met some, some wives who try to be God in the life of their husband. And they say, you know, this man needs to change and I'm going to change him. And the problem with that is that it's very very exhausting to try to be the Holy Spirit for somebody else. Listen, you can't preach or teach or or nag someone into the kingdom of God. Only God can do that. Say amen, somebody. And you know, there are some men that try to be God. And they want to control the outcome of their life. And some, some even say, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. And they boast in the fact that they are self-reliant that they don't need anybody, that they pull pulled themselves up from their bootstraps, and that they are completely capable of doing life on their own. But do you realize that nobody is a self-made man? Nobody is a self-made woman. Every single person in here needed somebody else to come into this world. You are here as a result of, a, of your parents. You are here because somebody potty trained you and somebody fed you and somebody changed your diapers and somebody took you to to kindergarten and somebody taught you the ABCs and somebody gave you your first job and somebody helped you to open up a bank account and somebody helped you to get a promotion. And all of these things remind us that none of us are enough unto ourselves. We need other people. We need each other. And so nobody is God. And God did not design you to live with the pressure of having to be in control of everything. God did not design you with the pressure of having to to carry the burdens of, of your life and the life of your family and the lives of your children. Burdens which were intended only for God to bear. And so this morning God wants to deliver you from the burden of having to be in control of everything in your life, listen. There are some things you can't control. There are some things you just don't have power over. And sometimes those things are as basic as your own life. You can't control all the time uh, what's going to happen in the and the outcomes that are going to take place in your life. You start out your day thinking it's going to go one way, but life takes you another. And soon you realize, guess what? I'm not in control. And so, what do I do? If I want to be God and I want to control my life, I end up frustrated. I end up mad. I end up mad at God, mad at the world, mad at the church, mad at everybody because things aren't turning out my way. You know what you have to do? You have to give that over to God and let God be God. Listen, God is God and you and I are not God. He is in control. He is the one that will determine the outcome of our life. And guess what? You can trust Him because God is good. God knows what He is doing. God is righteous. God is just. And God will bring you through to the end and the objective that He has designed for your life. Say amen, somebody. You know what I want to be? I don't want to be a self-made man. I want to be a God-made man. Does anybody in here want to be a God-made man? You know the Bible said that we were made in the image and likeness of God. The Bible says that God made you, that you are his workmanship in Jesus Christ prepared from the beginning of time so that you could do good works. And you realize that when God makes a man, when God makes a woman, God uses some interesting and often difficult devices in order to make us the man or, or woman that he wants us to be. God made you and he put you in life and in situations and in circumstances that were intended to shape you and to form you so that you could be what he designed for you to be. So that you could do what he designed for For you to do. And so this morning he wants to relieve you from the burden of having to be in control. And and some of you have your fists so tightly closed that you can't receive anything from God. You see, a closed fist holds on to what it has, but it also can't receive anything from God. God tells you this morning: open up your hand, just let it to me. Let me handle that boy that's rebelling against you. Let me handle that girl that got pregnant out of wedlock. Let me handle these situations that are going on in your life that you are desperately trying to control. Let me be God. You you trust me. You put your confidence in me. Open up your hand. And as you open up your hand, there might be some things that fall out of your hand, but they'll never fall out of God's hand. And while your hand is open, you'll also open up your life to be able to receive from God what God intends for you to receive. amen somebody. Now here's the second God that comes to be a burden in our life and that is what the Bible calls other gods. You know what an other God is? An other God is anything in your life that demands your attention your love and your obedience above God. Anything in your life that gets a hold of your head, your heart and your hands except for God is another God in your life. And you know America, although we don't consider ourselves an an idolatrous nation, America is a very uh, idolatrous nation. There are things that we have allowed to control our head, our heart, and our hands in this nation. I just want to mention a few things. One of the things that controls America is the God of science. You know how many people say, I don't believe in the Bible. I believe in science. Ever heard that? You know, science can do a lot of good things. And no one in their right mind would talk down the importance of science. We need knowledge because that's what ultimately the word science means. It means knowledge. And science has enabled us to heal diseases that used to kill people. Uh, today science can can cure diseases that in, in a generation past would have knocked you out before you were 30 years old but because of the advances of science we've, we've been able to survive longer and, 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 and produce better, better results in life science has also given us the ability to communicate in ways that we never could have communicated before it used to be that you had to write letters to d- distant loved ones in other cities any of you ever written a letter uh, this generation don't hardly know what letters are anymore, but you know now we can just send a text message and uh, and we don't even have to use words, we just lose, use a little emoji, right, we just ping back and forth, back and forth, we communicate and somehow we know what we're talking about, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing what science has done, but also science can also use the things that it has created for good and they can become very evil in your life. You know that the same science that can heal you can kill a baby in the womb. The same science that can heal a disease is also taking life. And the same science that was created in order for us to communicate better has separated us so that we can't even have conversations anymore. You know, in the summer school at the seminary, I don't allow the students to use their phones at, at lunch or dinner time. So, you know, for the first week when we're sitting down at the table, you could hear crickets because nobody knows what to do without their cell phone and without their without their digital device. They don't know how to talk to each other anymore. We don't know how to have a basic conversation. Hello, my name is. What's your name? Uh, you know, we've lost the ability to communicate in our world because of science. And yet people put technology And they put science up above God. They put science up above their love and their knowledge of God. Can I tell you, friend, that there is someone who has all knowledge. There are things that science will never be able to know. But our God knows everything. He is all knowledge. He has all knowledge. He possesses all wisdom. Now, there's another God I want to address. Because right now in our country, it's particularly rearing its head. It's the God of political ideology. You know that right now America has gotten to a place where uh, we're so driven by what party we're a part of that when our party is wrong, we can't acknowledge it. When our candidate is wrong, We can't acknowledge it. And and all we can see is, well, that's a different party. That's a different political ideology. There's nothing they can do right, and there's nothing we can do wrong. And the problem with that is we're no longer being led by the word of God when we vote. We're being led by political parties and political systems manipulated by man. And these are going to become burdens. Mark my word. This God of political ideology is going to become a noose around America's neck that is going to destroy. Destroy her future if she does not return again to God come on somebody I'm talking about the fact that we've got to understand listen you might have been my candidate I may have voted for you but if you're against the Bible you're wrong whether you're a Republican or a Democrat if you're against the Bible you're wrong come on say amen somebody I know this is something that's so near and dear to our hearts that many times we say we never discuss politics or religion at the dinner table some of us All we do is discuss politics and religion at the dinner table. But, you know, there is something greater than politics. There's truth. Did you hear me? I said there is truth. Truth isn't Republican. Truth isn't Democrat. Truth is in the word of God. Come on, somebody. Truth is in God's infallible and unchanging word. Now, here's another another God in America. He's been around for a long time. It's the God of money. You know that the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil doesn't say money is the root of all evil. You realize that God is not against you having money? Say amen, somebody. God wants to bless you. He wants you to have money. Because you know what happens when you have money? You're able to build the kingdom of God. You're able to have your needs met. And you're able to meet the needs of somebody else. Say amen, somebody. But see, God's not against you having money. God's against money having you. When you're controlled by money, And all you think about is getting more money, and your heart is controlled by money, and your hands are controlled by money. You know, money can make you lose time with your family just to get a a dollar more. Money can make your priorities so twisted that all you're thinking about is one more dollar. And you forget and neglect the things that God has put in your life that cannot be weighed by a bank account. Listen, there are blessings in your life that you can't put a dollar amount on. And those things need to be a priority in our life. And these, this, when, when a society puts money up above God, it starts making decisions about finances rather than about the revelation of God's truth. And we need to be very careful with that. You need to be careful that you don't vote for a politician just because they're going to bless you financially. Just because they're going to give you what you want. You know, the politician will say to the poor, we're going to give you this money. He'll say to the rich, we're going to make you richer. And all along, they're doing things that are not pleasing to God. But because we're drawn by the financial aspect of it, we lay aside the truth of God's word. These gods will always become a, a burden in your life. And you know, the God of money is going to become such a burden to this world, listen now, that the Bible says a day will come when an antichrist will arise. There's going to be a a man who's going to rise up in human history who's going to be the ruler of the entire world for seven years. He will be the embodiment of of the devil on earth. And do you know what his power will be? His power will be money. He will say, if you want to buy or sell you got to get the mark of the beast, the mark on your hand or your forehead. Just think about how powerful monies will be in that day. That you won't be able to buy a loaf of bread without having a, given allegiance, head, heart, and hands to the Antichrist. You see how the enemy works? And so I'm challenging you this morning because these are burdens to our nation and they're burdens to our family because they're not God at all. But they claim the place of God in our life i want to mention one more and that is the god of sex you know that america is becoming more and more driven by pleasure and uh, by by sexuality and immorality in such a way that the head heart and hands of our nation are being destroyed by by, uh, by sexual immorality, by pornography. More than 60% of America's men are addicted to pornography. More than 60% of America's women are also addicted to pornography. We think, oh, that's a problem in somebody else's life, in someone else's town. No, it's happening right here in our own towns, in our own homes. And if you and I aren't careful, you realize that the enemy will use that that uh, uh, approach to come into the lives and, uh, of marriages and homes in order to bring division. And that little God becomes a monster in the lives of people. That becomes a bondage to them that they can't break by any means. And so God says to you this morning, you've got to let these little G-gods out of your life. Say amen, somebody. Now here's the third category. third category of God burdens that I want you to think about, and this is false gods. I mentioned to you that, uh, that we have other gods. That's when you have a God other than the Lord, but what's a false God? A false God is a God by the same name but different character. You know, a lot of people, they claim to serve the Lord God, the God of the Bible. They claim to serve Jesus, but actually they're serving a false God with the same name. What is a false God? A false God is a God made in your image and likeness. Listen, God made us in his image and his likeness. But when we adopt a false God, we create a God in our mind that is in our image and our likeness. A God that we like. A God who's like us. A God who thinks like we think. And listen, you're generally speaking, the false gods that we allow into our hearts are, are gods that we think, okay, God, uh, he likes everything I do. And he doesn't really mind if I sin because uh, he's, he's my friend. He's okay with it. And we create gods in our mind that are not the God of the Bible. People create a God in their mind that is a God they can live with, a God they can tolerate. A God who doesn't judge sin. A God who doesn't uh, have a problem with the sin in our life. We think, well, God is against that person's sin, but he's not against my sin. He winks and nods at me. He's he's my buddy. He's my pal. Listen, friend. There's only one God. And what was wrong yesterday is still wrong today. If it was sin yesterday, it's still sin today. I'm not getting any amens, but I'm just going to go on preaching this morning. Because every false God has to be cut down in order for you to live in the The full blessing and prosperity of the Lord God in your life. When you create a God that you can live with, a God that, that fits your wants and your desires, you're setting yourself up for bondage and a burden. Listen, some people think, my God never says no to me. My God always gives me what I want. And then when they don't get what they want, they're mad at God. You know, the God of the Bible sometimes says no. And sometimes he says no because he knows that it's not good for you. And so you and I have to realize my God sometimes says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait. The God of the Bible doesn't always give me what I want when I want it. I'm not a capricious child. I am a child of God and and the, the Lord God knows what's best for me and what time is best for me and he knows the seasons and, and the ways of my life and we can say like Job, the Lord knows the way that I take and when he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. But when you don't know God in that way, you're having a t- temper tantrum in the middle of life because you didn't get what you want and I'm here to tell you this morning there a God who wants you to mature and know that he is God. He's in control. He is wiser than the greatest wisdom of man. He is He is uh, more powerful than the power of man. And if you will trust him, he will become a burden bearer in your life. He will become a burden bif- uh, b- uh, uh, lifter in your life. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Give your head to God. Give him your attention. Your thoughts. Give him your focus. Give your heart to God. Give him your your love and your affection. Give your hands to God. Obey him. Do what he says. Fulfill his word. And when you do that, you will find yourself right smack in the middle of the blessing of God. Say amen, somebody. Now, these things have to come out in order for us to experience the full blessing of God. Now, here's God's message to the nation of Israel. He says, your gods have let you down. The gods of this world will always let you down. You ever been let down? Nobody's going to be honest this morning. You ever been let down? You know, the gods of this world will always let you down. We say things like this. I didn't know she would do that. I didn't know he was capable of that. Because we put people in positions That only God should have. Listen. God says your gods have let you down. You went to them broken. And they couldn't mend you. You went to them sick. They couldn't heal you. You went to them discouraged. They couldn't encourage you. You went to them dead. They couldn't raise you up from the dead. Why? Because the gods of this world, they have eyes. But they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have a mouth and a throat, but they can't utter a sound. They have hands, but they can't hold you or embrace you. They have feet, but they can't walk in your direction. But our God... Our God has eyes and he can see. I don't know if you know this this morning, but your God sees what you're going through. He knows what you are going through. He sees the trial and the test that's coming to your life. And not only that, but your God is not a deaf God. Your God is not hard of hearing. He can hear the cry of your heart when all you can say is Jesus. He's right there to answer you because he is not a deaf God. He is available to the cry of his children. Your God has a mouth and he can speak. Have you ever heard the voice of God? Have you ever heard God come near to you and say, don't go that direction. Go this direction. And God leads us and he guides us by his voice because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. This is the blessing that comes to those who walk with God. Our God has arms. He can embrace us. Have you ever been lonely in the middle of the night? Have you ever cried yourself to sleep, but the Lord came and encouraged you? His presence surrounded your life, and you were embraced by the almighty hands of God. Do you know that our God was able to walk in our direction when we couldn't come to where he was? He came to where we were. He came to rescue, to deliver, to save. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a God who can, the God who is able. This was his message to Israel. You have to carry your gods, but you don't have to carry me. You have to carry your idols, but you don't have to carry me. Listen, everything that isn't God in your life that claims your head, your heart, and your hands will become a burden to you. You have to carry that thing around. And you just look around. It doesn't, you don't have to look too far. Look at people who serve idols. They're having to carry them around, carrying them through the streets. Some people crawl miles on their way to church on their knees till their knees are bloodied because they're trying to serve an idol who can't hear them, who can't can't have any compassion on them, who has no mercy on them. But God says, you don't have to carry me. I carry you. I'm the lifter of your burdens. I'm the bearer of the weight that is on your life. Listen to what he says in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28, "Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he is not he does not grow weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he ingre- increases power." This is our God. Can I just tell you this morning, our God does not check the weather. Our God creates the weather. Our God is not afraid of sickness. Our God heals disease. Are you listening this morning? Our God is not afraid of death. Our God has conquered death. He is the bearer of the burden in your life. I want you to watch something this morning that illustrates in the natural what God does in in the spirit. It's spiritual and in the supernatural in our life. About 30 years ago, a young man about 15 years old asked his dad a question. He said, Dad, will you run with me in a 5K run? Anybody in here ever run a 5K? A couple of you, all right. I thought about it once, but I sat down until the feeling passed. (laughs) You know, he said, I want to run in a 5K run. What you don't know about this young man, his name was Rick Hoyt. He was born completely disabled. He couldn't run, he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk. He was completely wheelchair-bound all of his life. And at the age of 15, he said to his dad, Dad, I want to run in a 5K run. And his dad said, yes, son, we'll run in that, in that 5K run. And I want you to watch a little bit of this, of this man's story. Because to this date, to this date, they have run 1,105 ks triathlons, and Ironman competitions. Every single inch of the way, Rick has been carried by his dad. Every single time they've run, Rick has not done any of the running. He's not done any of the riding. All the work has been done by his father. Now, I want you to look at those pictures this morning because when you see that father pushing his son across the finish line, what you're seeing is a picture of your father who says to you, you don't have to carry me. I'm going to carry you. I am your God. I'm the one that's going to get you across the finish line. I'm the one that's going to make you a winner in this life. I'm the one that's going to make you a success and not a failure. Are you hearing me this morning? You have a father. His His name is the Lord God Almighty. He is your God. He is your strength. And his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is more than enough for you. So when you feel discouraged, when you feel like you can't, that you say, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. You're right. You're not good enough. You're not enough. God alone is good enough. And God alone is enough. And his grace has made you and made me what we could not be of ourselves. The Bible says this, cast your cares upon the Lord. Because he cares. He cares for you. You don't have to carry him. Let him carry you this morning. Let him do in your life what only his grace can do. Would you stand with me this morning and just say this one more time? There is a God, and I'm not him. But his grace is sufficient for me. One more time, say it. His grace is sufficient for me. One more time. His grace is sufficient for me. I want to invite you to this altar this morning. Anybody in here that says, Pastor, I need God to bear some burdens that are on my life. I've come to the end of my strength. I need his help this morning. Maybe you've been sick, and you say, I need his healing this morning. Maybe you've been in financial straits. You say, I need his blessing upon my finances this morning. Would you just come into this altar and cast your cares upon the Lord? Let him bear the burden that is on your life, on your heart. He'll do it. He'll do what you can't do. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Where you run out of power, he comes in to make up the difference in your life. Would you just yield your life and your your heart and your cares to the Lord this morning? He is able. God is able. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or even imagine. Maybe this morning you need to lay down a little G, God. You've been trying to control everything. You've been trying to be everything to everyone. God says, don't worry about that. You let me be God. You let me do this work. Hallelujah. Come on, just give it to Jesus this morning. Give it to Jesus this morning.